My name is Ed Peters and I welcome you to What's New. We move on today to Matthew chapter 12, focusing on the opening eight verses of this chapter. Chapter 11 closes with a definite break and change in the message of Jesus. His message of the kingdom had been rejected by the nation of Israel, and so he now begins his journey to the cross, and his invitation is now to the individual. Now, here in chapter 12, there breaks out into the open a conflict between Jesus and the religious rulers of that day, the Pharisees in particular. Apparently, they were friends to him at first, but now they break with him over the question of the Sabbath day. Matthew gives us two examples of this conflict over the question of the Sabbath day. The first took place outside in the grain field, and that will be our focus today. The second, in the synagogue, and we will look at that on our next program. Now, here are verses 1 through 8 of Matthew chapter 12, and they read, About that time, Jesus was walking one day through some grain fields with his disciples. It was on the Sabbath, the Jewish day of worship, and his disciples were hungry. So they began breaking off heads of wheat and eating the grain. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Your disciples are breaking the law. They are harvesting on the Sabbath. But Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read what King David did when he and his friends were hungry? He went into the temple, and they ate the special bread permitted to the priests alone. That was breaking the law, too. And haven't you ever read in the Law of Moses how the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? And truly, one is here who is greater than the temple. But if you had known the meaning of this scripture verse, I want you to be merciful more than I want your offerings, you would not have condemned those who aren't guilty. For I, the Messiah, am master even of the Sabbath. Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. 
all the words which Jesus Christ spoke are crucially important. But certain ones grip us humans more than others. I focused yesterday on the familiar words of Jesus recorded in Matthew 11, 28-30. To all people then, until now, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When sin entered the human race, man became estranged from God. And ever since then, man has been searching for God. But man is incapable of finding God. No amount of searching will do. As a result of man's search and because of satanic influence, we humans have come up with all kinds of ways to get a favorable response from God. Many people will believe that good humanitarian deeds should reach the heart of God. Others believe that if we punish ourselves enough, God will be pleased. Still others make the search an end in itself. If we search hard enough, God will credit that to our account. None of man's ways will reach God. He can't be found that way. Man can know God only by revelation. God himself has to make himself known. But man doesn't pay attention to God's self-revelation in Jesus Christ. And all the human efforts to find and satisfy God are nothing but terribly wearisome burdens. There are other burdens, no doubt, included in these words of Jesus. I focused on three yesterday. There is the burden of ignorance, the burden of knowledge, or failure, or success, or the burden of fear, or the burden of selfishness, and many more. So in these words of Jesus recorded by Matthew at the end of chapter 11, he invites us to come with any and every burden to him. It is there and there alone where rest from useless searching and restless activity may finally be found. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Finally, man's search for rest from wearisome burdens ends when he comes to Christ. That's Jesus' promise here. Now, at the beginning of chapter 12, Matthew surfaces an example of a burden to the Jews of his day. Among the Jews at the time of Christ were the Pharisees, the representatives of Orthodox religion. They insisted on absolute obedience to the minutia of the law as they interpreted it. These Pharisees were more interested in codes than in people. Jesus was more interested in people than in regulations. The Pharisees added endless regulations, particularly to the law and observance of the Sabbath, the seventh day, the day of rest. Matthew writes in chapter 12, 1 and 2, these words, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look! Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. The disciples and Jesus were walking through a grain field. 
The men were hungry, and as they were walking, they casually broke off some ears of grain. They ground them in the palms of their hands, blew off the chaff, and ate the kernels. Immediately the disciples were accused of harvesting the grain, of working on the Sabbath. Plucking the ears was considered reaping, rubbing the ears between the palms was considered threshing, and blowing away the chaff was considered winnowing. Were the Pharisees right? Read Exodus 28 through 11, where the law is given. Well, Jesus disputed their ridiculous claim by referring to three lines of argument. The first one concerns David, and is recorded in 1 Samuel 21, 1-6. Jesus said, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. David was fleeing from King Saul, and when he met a priest, being hungry, he asked the priest for some bread. None was available except the consecrated bread, which had been removed from the tabernacle and which was normally reserved for the priests. Leviticus 24.9 David ate it, believing that saving his life was more important than the observance of a minute technicality. David was not considered guilty of any serious infraction. The Pharisees should have concluded that the action of the disciples was no more serious than that of David. Jesus' second illustration concerns the priests. He says, Haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? Obviously, the priests had to work on the Sabbath. That was a desecration of the Sabbath law. Yet they were considered blameless. So was Jesus and his disciples. Finally, Jesus makes a claim that justifies his action. He said to these Pharisees, I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees failed to understand that God was people-centered, not regulation-centered. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God preferred mercy to sacrifice, and mercy was sometimes of necessity exercised at the expense of keeping all the minutia of the regulations. He has compassion for people's basic needs more than slavish adherence to the regulations. However, the disciples were allowed to take grain on the Sabbath not because they were hungry and had a need for food, but finally because Jesus as God was Lord of the Sabbath. This is another one of his messianic claims. One greater than the temple was here. He was not under the temple regulations, but over them. While opposition to Jesus had already surfaced earlier, here was the beginning of the outright rejection of Jesus by the established religion of their day. Here was a concrete issue that caused the Pharisees to plan Jesus' murder. They began to plot to kill him. Chapter 12, verse 14. 
Man's solution to the problem of Jesus is to kill him. Man wants God dead. Humans are more comfortable without God. Of course, finally, man did succeed in nailing the Son of God to the cross, not knowing that Jesus was God's sacrifice for the sins of every person on this globe. Worthy of glory, worthy of honor, worthy of praise is he. Worthy of glory, worthy of honor, worthy of praise is he. He has redeemed me by the blood of the Lamb, and he has set my spirit free. Worthy of glory, worthy of honor, worthy of praise is he. radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter, California, 93263, USA.